At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It is a Monday morning post-Eagle victory episode of Birds 365. I've only had one out of those, and it's been a while. Good to be with the Eagles fans. This is Birds 365. I'm your host, Jordan McDonald. Sitting beside me today is none other than uh, Jeff Kerr, my dutiful fill-in co-host. How are you this morning, Mr. Kerr? I can't complain. The Eagles won, and their slim playoff hopes, if we want to call it that, are still alive. That's uh, We did discuss that at length last week. We'll do so more so today. But uh, we want to get the nuts and the bolts of the game. And John McMullen, my usual co-host, doing the guest spot at the top of the hour in the airport thing, hops aboard with us. Johnny Mack, how was that Eagle game yesterday? What was it like to be in the stadium in Charlotte? Um, yeah, it was a strange game. You're going to get some airport 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 noise so i apologize uh apologize for that to begin with but yeah i mean it was a tale of two halves obviously and it looked really ugly uh at the end of the first half and i joked you know that jake elliott field goal which was 58 yards you go back to the super bowl season the 61 yard winner against the giants that ignited everybody i don't think they're gonna make a, a super bowl run but that was a big kick and special teams was a big part of it. Defense was a big part of it. Offense was not a big part of it. So uh, they picked those guys up, and you got to give Jalen Hurts credit for staying the course and making some plays uh, in the second half. But it was an ugly offensive game, and, you know, we got off. Jody, you and I talked about this a lot. Uh, people wanted to throw Jonathan Gannon out with the bathwater. And I kept telling him it's going to be different this week because of the opponent. And you got to add that context as well on overreaction Monday uh, because Tampa Bay is coming up real quick. Yeah. John, one thing I took notice of, and it was really early in the game, just a couple minor defensive adjustments, but Darius Slay seemed to be on DJ Moore a lot. They, they had him traveling a bit. Did, did you notice that early on? Yeah, he made a couple tweaks. I mean, Davion Taylor played more. T.J. Edwards, uh, he sort of had that run-stuffing uh, defensive linebacker group and then went back to the pass group. So, I, I mean, he's trying to, to put it together with not much talent there. Uh, Slay did travel a little bit more. Um, I think that had more to do, again, with the quarterback. I think you feel more comfortable doing different things. And they blitzed a little bit more. And and. You know, they didn't want to blitz Patrick Mahomes. Um, they didn't think it would, would, would be an effective plan. I kind of agree with them. You never know because you didn't see it. But I thought 
I thought the plan against Kansas City was sound. I thought the execution was poor. Um, and I think the plan was sound for Carolina. The execution was a little bit better. And a lot of that has to do with um, lesser talent on that side of the ball. And, you know, the, the weakness of the Panthers any week is their offensive line. Um, and they lost Cam Irvin, uh, who's their left tackle. So they had to move Taylor Moten, the left tackle. They had to start Brady Christensen, a rookie right tackle. And the Eagles' defensive line ate them up all day. So even when you say there's three sacks, I think there were eight hurries. Sam Darnold was not comfortable at any point in this game. Those guys dominated up front. A couple of things that jumped out to me uh, after the game ended. I saw uh, Nick Sirianni's post-game press conference and quotes. He hit the nail right on the head. This was a team win. You kind of already touched on a couple of things, John. Uh, offense didn't do anything for a full half and then made plays in the second half when they needed to hurts with his legs, special teams, the big field goal by Elliott, the block punt, biggest play of the game and the defense coming up bigger than they had been. You're right to note the opponent because the Eagles got a little bit of a break. You remember John, I told you last week, what scared me most about this matchup was McCaffrey. And on Friday when we were on, he was doubtful. Uh, he was questionable. By Saturday, he was doubtful. By Sunday, he was out in Sydney standing on the sidelines. Chuba Hubbard went for 100, which means they still have to be better against the run. They were slightly better, but they still need to improve. But Christian McCaffrey being out of the game, I think, was a major uh, factor in this one. Playing a team effort across the board, every aspect of the team contributing, and a little luck with some injuries to the other side equals an eagle win. I think Sirianni had it right, calling a team win across the board. Yeah, it was uh, everybody uh, sort of contributing, and that's rare when you have offense, defense, special teams contributing to a win. So you do want to play up that part of it, the offense by making plays, as you mentioned, uh, a couple big plays in the second half, uh, at least were able to, to, you know, get in on the party, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Christian McCaffrey's their best player. Um, so yeah, I, I think if you're down 15 to three and, and McCaffrey's on the field, you're probably going to lose that game because he's going to be able to make a play at some point. Uh, that probably stems the tide. They didn't have that uh, ability. And I don't know what's, uh, you know, from from the way Matt Rule sounded, it certainly seemed they, like they were being extra cautious uh, on McCaffrey. And if it were, say, a playoff game, he probably would have played. I, I, I've been, that was a theme of mine during the week, you know, Jody. I, I don't know what this Carolina team thinks they are, but they act like they're a contender. And they act like they're a really good football team. And they had a really soft part of their schedule early. And I thought they bought into it. And I think it, it, it bit them. And I expected it to bite them. John, one of the things I took notice in this game was, you know, we already touched base out. The offense just looked in that for really three quarters. And then Jalen Hurts gets that great throw off while being hit to Quez Watkins. That kind of got everything going there. Like how much of a factor has Wes put in this football team this year? Yeah, I mean he's been big. I've been arguing for a couple of weeks that he should be getting more playing time than Jalen Rager. Now I you know 
part of it is that they use Quez in, in certain situations. And anytime you, you increase the volume, um, the, the opposing defense is probably going to pay more attention. So there's no guarantee that that uh, consistency of production is going to carry over with more playing time, more touches, because he'll become more of a focus of the opposing defense. But I think he's earned the right to at least, you know, prove that he can be that type of player. And I think Jalen Rager is kind of earning the opposite and and the fact that he's making too many mistakes. And whether it's as a kick returner receiver, you see constant mistakes and you don't see the development you would probably like. I, I would like to see more playing time for Quez Watkins, who has been a, a big play guy for this team. Um, again, I, I don't know if Carolina was all over the bubble screens, the, the, the swing routes. It doesn't matter who you had. Nobody was getting anything on those. And I thought that was a big criticism of Nick Sirianni. Look, when they're playing like that, you got to go over the top, even if it doesn't work, just to say, oh, they're willing to do that. You know, fake the bubble screen, go over the top. I thought it took them way too long uh, to do that. And if it were a different opponent, it probably would have taken them too long. Um, but Carolina was really struggling offensively, and it, it, it didn't hurt them. But I, I think it is a legitimate concern to point out that, man, they they were they were sticking to that that short stuff, and it wasn't working at all. But then again, on the other side of the spectrum, you could say it set up the big plays late, uh, the Quez Watkins big play, and and then Jalen Hurts didn't have a couple really good runs. They weren't huge runs, but they were wide open because of the lack of success earlier in the game. As a matter of fact, Quez actually did play more snaps than Jalen Rager. I pretty sure that's the first time that that's the case. This yeah, year, it is. Yeah. That he out uh, repped them uh, 55 snaps to 47 snaps. So it's trending in that direction, as we all agree it should. Um, you're right, John, in that uh, I think yeah, Nick Sirianni's going to get crazy. He's the winning coach. He's the head coach. He's the main man. Um, offensive play calling at times I thought left a little bit to be desired. You just uh, mentioned the overusage of the short passing game in the first half. And where that gets uh, my nerves a little bit is, again, very few runs. And I know the RPO kind of takes the run play out of it. He tried to give that half-hearted explanation of last week. That, well, we, we consider an RPO where Jalen doesn't hand it off to be a run play. No, if he passed the ball, it's a pass play. So I get it. It's it, The RPO can swing the balance of how many runs and how many passes you have. Well, then don't call it. Just call a straight-up running play. Get your quarterback up under center and have man the ball off to Miles Sanders. Is it just that that's not the Eagle identity, that they want to be an RP, quote-unquote RPO team? Why do you think that Sirianni hasn't come around to that just to make sure that he gets a percentage of running plays every game? Yeah, well, a couple things. One, it's become a press box joke. Every time they run an RPO and they throw it, we say that's a run. Like that, but uh, I, I I hear what you're saying. There's there's two parts to this. One, they're an RPO team, and that's what they practice. Um, so when Jalen Hurts is on the field, they're not going to run what they don't practice. Um, that's the first part. 
and the second part is if Joe, if, if Jalen Hurts got hurt and, and Joe Flacco had to play, um, they would change and they would become a more conventional offense. They're not going to play a conventional offense with Jalen Hurts. And by the way, I think that's the right way to go. I always go back to that. Jeff might remember this. I always go back to that Penn State, Ohio State game where I think it was a fourth and four or fourth and five, and Trace McSorley was the quarterback, and, and James Franklin ran an RPO. And the Penn State fans went nuts. And it, it's amazing to me because all Penn State does is, is practice that offense. And the biggest spot, they run what they run. But they want him to turn into the Bill Walsh 49ers at the biggest spot of the game. And you don't practice that. Not only that week, but ever. So you are what you are is what I'm trying to say. So it's about executing what they run. And they didn't do that well at all. all right, but, but it's not going to change what Jalen Hurts is quarterback. Let me follow up, John. Uh, you're right. They are what they are. They practice what they practice. Maybe if they had more than a 70-minute practice during the preseason, <laughs> they could actually get the quarterback under center a little bit so that they could diversify. They expand what they are. I, I don't want them to go away from the RPO. I, I understand the strength of it, and Hurts can pull it down. He can take off, make big plays with the leg. I'm not saying dump the RPO. I'm just saying incorporate a little bit more. Are they that uh, reduced the team that they can only do RPOs and they can never bring the quarterback under center? Well, I don't think they want to, number one. I, I hear what you're saying about the practice. We talked about it all the time. That That's an organizational decision. That's out of Nick Sirianni's hands. But I will say this. If they did practice longer, if they did practice longer in training camp, they'd be practicing the same stuff. They wouldn't be adding stuff. They would be practicing what they practiced. In a lot of ways, this is a college-like offense, and that's what they run. And there's two ways to look at it. In the old days, you would pound the square peg in the round hole, and Jalen Hurts would probably be useless as a starting quarterback in this league with a veteran coach, a veteran old-school coach. So the positive part is you have a coach who's taking advantage of what the quarterback does well, and playing that up and not having the ego to say, okay, we're going to run what I like to run. Because to be honest, Nick Sirianni would like to run, well, everybody would like to run what Kansas City runs or or, or people like that, a, a, a more high-powered passing offense. Well, John, you, you kind of brought this up too. You know, he's playing to the strengths of the quarterback. And one thing I've taken those over these first five games is there's just – I mean, we talked about the middle of the field stuff before, but there's nothing like passes 10, 20 yards. Is he just trying to hide the fact that Hurts may not just have an NFL arm or an arm that we would like? I think it's more the accuracy issue than arm strength. I think the arm strength is fine. It's not great. It's not top tier. It's not Josh Allen. Uh, but they are concerned about his accuracy. And, and, and when you throw the football in the middle of the field, and you're a little bit off, what happens? I mean, you have tip balls, and, and that's – so I do think they're trying to uh, protect him from that standpoint a little bit. Um, but I but I do think it's more accuracy-related than, than arm strength-related. 
John, uh, let's give some credit to the defense. You mentioned Jonathan Gannon. And, yeah, there was some critique slash criticism of these last couple of weeks. Deservedly so. You give up 40 points. You get uh, run through like a hot knife through butter. Yeah, you're going to hear about it. A bounce back week for him and the defense for sure. And it did start up front. We know that uh, Javon Hargrave has been great all year long. Fletcher Cox much more involved. Another Josh Sweat sack. Um, they, they just seem to get more pressure up front. He's not a blitz guy. People in Philadelphia love the blitz. That's not what he does, and he didn't do it again yesterday. And he got there and got some pressure on Sam Darnold uh, throughout the game, specifically in the second half. A- anything you saw that maybe they did differently, or did the guys just step up for Gannon yesterday on the front four? Um, I, I, I think they did a little bit differently, but I think it all relates to not the criticism, but the change in the opponent. So what, you know, I bring up Davion Taylor, for instance, they were trying to get him on the field at the beginning of training camp and he just hurt his calf. And so it pressed pause on that. So that's what that had to do. The second, the second part would be. Darius Slay, as Jeff mentioned, uh, did travel a little bit more man-to-man coverage. Again, I think it's more opponent-related because they didn't think Sam Darnold could take advantage of what somebody like Patrick Mahomes or or Dak Prescott could take advantage of. And then they blitzed a little bit more. Obviously, they're never going to be Buddy Ryan, but they blitzed a little bit more. And again, because they didn't think the quarterback could hurt them, uh, whereas they thought if they blitzed Patrick Mahomes, it would be Instead of 12 plays in 80 yards, it would be one play in 80 yards. So I think it was all related to you feel you game plan for a specific team and you feel you can do more things against a quarterback who's not the best quarterback in the world. John, through five games, I personally, I think Devonta Smith's been as good as advertised so far. And in fact, I actually came up with, the stat last night, he's one of just 13 wide receivers in NFL history that have 25 catches for 300 yards in his first uh, five career games. And I know some people scoffed at that because of, like, Eddie Royal and Billy Parks are on that list. But there's seven Hall of Famers on that, too. So what do you make it? Well, he's a very good player. He's the best receiver the Eagles have had in a very long time. They finally got Jeff, Justin Jefferson a year late. Um, and, and, you know, they're so – similar and and in that they're both great route runners for young receivers, which you rarely see. Um, Now, obviously Justin has a little more size, uh, but Devontae has a little bit more explosiveness and, you know, the separation he gets as such a young player. uh, I think the only thing anybody should be concerned about with him as a player is the size issue, which I think is legitimate in the NFL. But if he's healthy and he, he's on the field, uh, he's going to produce. And, and, and he's got that Alabama mindset because he fumbled the football. Um, and a lot of young players would have dropped their head and done the woe is me act. And he doesn't believe that way. He was right out there. And I think he caught seven of eight targets, was it, Jeff? I, but, yeah. I mean, he, he's so much better than every other receiver the Eagles have. And it's bizarre because when they do have the passing game, you know, I I don't recall somebody this early. And I covered Randy Moss as a rookie. I I don't recall somebody this early who is the the imprint 
of an entire team's passing game. Like Randy came in with Chris Carter and Jake Lee, Jake Reed. He was the third receiver. Even Jefferson last year came in with Adam Thielen. He was the right. second receiver. He didn't even start, I think, until week four. Devontae is the guy the Eagles draw up the most plays for, which is pretty astonishing. That's a very good point, John. Uh, a lot of pressure on him because of that. And, oh, by the way, he caught a touchdown pass yesterday that came off the board. This is getting to be old hand. Eagles score. Oh, no, wait, there's a flag on the field. And they continue to take touchdowns off the board, which uh, didn't bite him in the rear end yesterday. And I don't know that it even bit him in the rear end in the previous games because they couldn't stop the opposition and they were well behind in all those games. But I digress. Um, you know, Greg Ward's my guy. How do you do what he did yesterday? After J.J. Arcega-Whiteside did it the week before, and you watched the film, and you saw the call, how do you do it? How do you make contact with the defender? You know you can't do that. You know it's a pick play. They take points off the board. It costs them four points. Do we blame Ward? Do we blame the coaches, the, the, the wide receiver coach? Do we blame the offensive coordinator? Do we blame the head coach? It just, I wanted to throw something at the TV when they took those seven points off the board. How is this happening, John McMullen? Yeah, I hope nobody was complaining about that because that was a penalty. That was of an course OPI. it was. And it, it was a savvy play by the defender. I think he tried to create the contact. He was trying to create that because he knew what was going on. And I think Nick mentioned that on his radio spot this morning. But they're going to they're gonna call that play all the time. You know, it was interesting, in the middle of the field, they ran a rub route, and Zach Ertz was, was the pick guy. And he ran it perfectly, and I think it was Gainwell who got a conversion. I'm like, Nick Sirianni should play that on a loop uh, with these young receivers because, I mean, obviously Zach's a, a, a great route runner. Uh, but he did it absolutely perfectly. And, and the bottom line is you got to do it with subtlety. And I can't even explain that to the listeners, but it's sort of you know it when you see it type of thing. Like, they're calling what J.J. did. They're calling what Greg Ward did. They look like blockers. They look like they're plowing into the pile. Uh, you just got to be savvy, and you just got to get in the way of the defender. And, and it's a natural pick play, um, and, they're, and they're never going to call it. Every team in this league runs it. You see how successful it is. If the Eagles just would do it correctly, you have wide-open receivers for touchdowns. Um, it, it's just young receivers who don't have the savviness to do it right now. But Greg Ward is the oldest receiver, uh, the most veteran receiver on this team. Now he doesn't have a ton of experience. I, I don't know what to say other than he should know better and he should run that route better, but it was definitely a penalty. So nobody should be complaining about that. John, uh, Jalen Rager, obviously not his finest performance yesterday, the two kickoff returns, um, you know, the one play, it looked like he just seemed disinterested in blocking. I, I tr trying to remember the play vividly, but I, I, I'm trying to remember. It's a, it's a bubble screen. He looked like he wanted nothing to do with blocking anybody. Yeah. Like, what is it with him right now? Is it just he's the frustrations are boiling or is it just like he's starting to figure out like, hey, maybe I don't got it or, you know, what's the deal? I don't know. Jalen's always been a guy who takes criticism to heart. You've seen it on social media, deletes his social media, brings it back. I think he pays too much attention to that 
rat poison, as Jalen Hurts would call it. Um, so that's one thing. I, I don't think he's playing with a lot of confidence. I do think you see the hesitation on the kick returns. If I'm Michael Clay, I don't I don't want Jalen Rager or Quez Watkins back on kickoff returns. I I'd let Boston Scott do it at least at this point. Um, you know, you'd have a guy making the right decisions. Um, I I would say he's just not playing with confidence. And you know, when you see obviously the comparisons we just mentioned uh, Jefferson a couple times, those comparisons are going to be there always. And guess what? Jefferson's having another great year, so he's not a flash in the pan. And that, uh, unfortunately for the Eagles, I don't think that comparison is going to work out well moving forward either. And it's always going to be something that maybe even derails Jalen Rager's entire career in Philadelphia because I just don't see improvement at all. In fact, I see the opposite. And I just said Quez should be on the field. And you know, they don't have depth, so, you know, I don't want Greg Ward on the field. I know Jody will disagree with me. I don't want J.J. on the field. So he's got to play and maybe plays himself out of it, but he shouldn't be playing more than Quez. All right. Uh, yes, I absolutely would like to see more Greg Ward than Jalen Rager. If that makes me a dope, okay, fine. I've seen enough of Jalen Rager. I know he's a first-round draft pick of only a year ago. He doesn't make plays, and he, he makes bonehead mistakes, too. And I know Greg Ward made one yesterday, so this might not be the day to make that argument, but I still stand by my decision that uh, Ward could get a couple extra snaps and Reagan gets less snaps. We all agree we want Watkins to get more snaps. All right, uh, do want to ask you about this, John, after Sam Darnold throws his third interception of the day. Stephen Nelson, nice play. Thank you very much after Darius's two earlier ones. Eagles have to run out the clock, and they've got Miles Sanders in there. And he made a couple of nice runs, <laughs> made some nice yards, yeah. uh, and went out of bounds twice. Twice. And they surely noted it on the broadcast. And shame on Miles. He should know better, and he should be reprimanded. Oh, by the way, he got pulled, and they put Gamewell in after he went out of bounds the second time in the last two minutes of the game. But also shame on Sirianni. Why is he calling wide-running plays? Now, I know that you're trying to get extra yards and they're going to be uh, certainly everybody crushing into the middle, but you can't run out of bounds. If you run between the tackles and he, he scheduled two plays to run wide, I guess he had faith that Miles Sanders would be bright enough to go down inbounds just before he got knocked out of bounds. But wh why is the coach even risking that? Why is he running wide there at the end of the game when you're trying to kill a clock? Yeah, I, I, I... <laughs> I hear what you're saying. He was trying to get, and obviously was effective. The runs were actually effective, but yeah, Miles. And, and by the way, Nick mentioned that at his press conference and remember the, the, the mood of that press conference and every player that came in was jubilant with the comeback win. And Nick still mentioned, you can't do that uh, late in the game. You got to get down. You got to, you got to let the clock run or you got to force Carolina to burn their timeouts. So he made note of the mental mistakes of, of, of Miles Sanders. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of the same thing with Jalen Rager, a little bit of frustration, not getting the football, not being effective when he gets the football. Um, finally got some runs. But that's always been one of the things with Miles. Um, you know, he kicks it outside too much. We talk all the time. When they do run inside, he tries to hit the home run too much. 
Uh, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, people have started to speculate, well, Kenny Gainwell is, is playing a little bit better, being more effective. I don't think they're at that point. You know, I, I think they still think Kenny Gainwell is the Naheem Hines type or the Austin Eckler type. Uh, if you go to Nick Sirianni's history, that's what they want him to be. I still think they want Miles Sanders to be the, the number one running back. But if he keeps making mistakes like that, if he keeps not following, uh, you know, his blockers, um, there's going to be an issue at some point. You saw it sort of the first manifestation about that by Nick calling them out with the mental errors. John, I was a little um, concerned yesterday. Uh, we all know Nick Sirianni puts his numbers on his visor and 65 happened to be on there and the other two are out for the season. I'm, yeah. Have you heard anything with Lane Johnson? Yeah, we said the same thing. Um, he only puts on numbers of guys who are out for the season. So I, I know what you're saying. The Eagles have been very closed-lipped about this situation other than to say it's a very personal matter. It doesn't have anything mm. to do with his health um, or anything of that nature. People have speculated he was frustrated because that ankle keeps swelling up. Um, so I, I don't believe it's a health issue. It is a personal issue. Uh, and the fact that he was on the visor, yes, I don't think that's a good sign. All right, John, last thing we know, you got to get on a plane. And I give you credit for this, and I apologize, too, for uh, ending on a not upbeat note because Eagles won yesterday. Yeah, go Birds. Um, the alignment on the offensive line, since we brought up Lane Johnson, you had said on Friday you thought if Johnson can't go and my lot is back, they'd put my Lotta over on the right-hand side and keep um, Dillard in, and Herbig would be the odd man out coming out. I didn't necessarily like that. I didn't necessarily agree with that. I think Mulata, if he's going to be your left tackle going forward for that many more years, I would have just kept Driscoll outside, kept Herbig in the lineup. Mulata did not have a good game yesterday. A couple foolish penalties. Uh, they didn't run anything to the right-hand side as far as I was concerned. Um, I don't know that the offensive line is going to grade out all that well. If Lane Johnson's out again next week, line stays as it was aligned this week or do you think they reevaluate no i think it stays this week and 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 last week when i said that i knew that's the way they were going just a little inside baseball we weren't allowed to report it so we can only speculate <laughs> the silliness but i i knew they were going to play my lot at right tackle just driscoll right guard um they want their best five players out there now, let, is, let me just jump and, in there Johnny. you knew that hold on let me felt. johnny johnny let me just, just so the viewers know you knew you knew that because you saw it in practice, but you weren't supposed to say, or you knew that because someone told you that, but said, uh, "I can't have you broadcast this before the game on Sunday." No, we I, I knew it because I saw it in practice, and and the Eagles uh, believe it was a competitive advantage, and there are other teams who shut down practice if you report lineup things and scheme things. Uh, so you know, I don't want to get. 40 reporters banned gotcha. so if you're uh that type of thing that's why you can't do it um but that's a little bit of inside baseball there the thought process is obviously andre can't play right tackle uh or can't play it well and if you think it went bad for for jordan mylotta probably would have been worse with andre dillard 
uh, who's a natural left tackle. We saw what happened when he tried to move there as a rookie on the right side. Um, and, and the bottom line, it comes down to they think Andre's a better player at left tackle than Nate Herbig is at right guard. That's your real decision. Sure. The interesting thing to me is they don't worry about Jordan. They're like, ah, Jordan will go play right tackle. He doesn't care. And he doesn't care. Um, it, it, he did have a bit of a trouble when you saw the consecutive sacks by Hassan Reddick. He had a little bit of trouble with the hard count. And, and the second one, he got he didn't even get out of his stance. So the silent count, I'm sorry, not the hard count. Um, he had trouble with that. And, and hopefully that that won't be an issue this week, obviously, with Tampa Bay coming in Thursday at Lincoln Financial Field. So I think he'll get better and better. And he's a better right tackle than Dillard. Dillard's a, a, a competent left tackle at this point. I think he's played okay. Uh, not great, but he's played okay. And with all the injuries and all the issues they have, I, I do think that's the best path forward for this particular team. J-Mac, we appreciate you hopping on board. Uh, feel free to get on your flight now. Row 32 is boarding. Have a nice <laughs> flight. Uh, we'll get you back up here tomorrow morning. Thanks, J.M. All right. Thanks, guys. That is John McMullen, usual co-host of Birds 365. Uh, he is flying back from Carolina, a victorious flight home after an eagle win. Jeff Kerr and I will come back and talk more about it. Our number two will punch up a guest for you. Our buddy, your buddy, Paul Domwich, uh, longtime eagle beat writer now, enjoying the game from the comforts of his couch. He still loves the game. He can still analyze the game. He'll do it with us in hour number two. JK and I will kick back a couple more things right here on Birds comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. 
Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. It is Birch 365, a victorious Monday. We've had a bunch of Mondays since we started this show six months ago, uh, but not victorious ones. We've only had one other one. That was against the Falcons, week number one. We got number two uh, today because of the Eagles' win in Carolina against the Panthers to get to two and three. And uh, I, we touched on this in the first segment, Jeff, and it's worth bringing back. The Eagles' playoff hopes are still alive. And I did say that leading into this game. Now, truth be told, I picked the Carolina Panthers to win a close game. Could go either way. I thought the difference was going to be Christian McCaffrey because I watched the Eagles get sliced and diced by the run two weeks running. And I thought Christian McCaffrey could do a lot of the same. When McCaffrey came out, all right, well, maybe the Eagles could win this game, which they did. More power to them. Uh, But as I said last week here on the show, this is a, a pretty big game in the Eagles season. I know it's only week five of a 17-game season, but when you're sitting at one and three, one of your losses is to San Francisco, who may be a team you would compete against in a wild-card fight with the Arizona being up top of that division. Oh, by the way, yes, San Francisco loses again yesterday. They're now two and three with one of their only wins against the Eagles. Two wins. Um if you lose to Carolina, who would have gone to four and one themselves, and you've got those two tiebreaker losses. Oh, by the way, the Cowboys keep winning in the division. They're now four and one, and you're uh, behind them because they beat you by an extra half game because they beat you head to head. Yeah, you're screwed. Your, your, your playoff chances, even though it's week five of 17, have become severely compromised. But if you win two and three, Dallas doesn't pick up any ground on you. You beat a team that if you finish in a wild card tie with, uh, you would actually win the tiebreaker. They basically had to have yesterday's game if they wanted to stay in the mix. Um, They got it, and I think that uh, it should keep Eagle fans buoyed for at least another week. Yeah, Jody, and one of the things I said right after the win, well, if you told me the Eagles were going to be 2-3 and going into this Tampa Bay game based on how their schedule started, I would take it. And they're two and three. And the worst they can go is two and four in this six game gauntlet of a schedule. And I'm like, okay, that's not terrible. And, you know, they have a chance to go three and three now. I don't think that's going to happen. But again, it's Monday. I I still have a couple of days to make a pick here. But you look at Vegas, they do not look like the same team that won the first three games of the year. And Derek Carr is banged up. Detroit is playing a lot better than an own five football team. You have to watch out for him. But they're a known five football team for a reason. They they just keep making mistakes, and, they, you know, it's just crucial errors there. You got Chicago. Again, I don't think they're as good as advertised, even though they're 3-2. and two. The Chargers are really good. That's going to be – but you look at the back half of this schedule. It's the Jets, the Giants twice, Washington twice. Uh, you know, it's – if you just stay around 500 and stay in it, why not? You know, it's – it keeps me interested. It keeps you interested. It's, you know, I, I swear the Eagles decided to go 
against my Twitter yesterday because I joked that this is bad, like 1998 Eagles bad. And what does Jalen Hurts do like three plays later? Throw a play to, to Quez Watkins and then everything. I'm like, okay, well, at least the 98 Eagles, they started 0-5. This team is 2-3, and three, and they're in it. I mean, I, again, and Tom Brady pointed this out yesterday. He was very specific about this. We were better than the Bears team that beat us last year on Thursday Night Football. It was a short week. So the Bucs aren't going to take this team lightly, which kind of scares me a bit. Jeffrey Laurie told us way back when, and I know it was only uh, however many months ago, eight, nine months, but it seems like a lifetime, uh, when they decided to move away from Doug Peterson, that this was going to be a transitional year for the Eagles. That was one of the reasons they gave for Doug Peterson's ouster was that he wasn't as in tune with the rest of the organization as the fact that it needed to be a transitional year. He wanted to go right back out and win again this year. Shocking. Why would a coach feel that way? Let's try and win as many games as possible. But that was one of the reasons given for Doug no longer being head coach. And you had to take Jeff Lurie at his word that they really thought that this team needed a specific guidance during the offseason. They could have been right or wrong, but uh, you believe that Laurie believed it, and that was the most important thing. Well, Eagle fans don't want to hear that. They never do. Any fan of basically any team, I should say 90%, every once in a while you're so freaking bad, you go, all right, we got to rebuild this thing. We stink. We got to take it down and build it back up again. I don't believe Eagle fans believe that about this year's team going in. Certainly not as much as Jeff Lurie did. So the question was, transition or competition? Which one was it going to be? Had they lost yesterday to the Carolina Panthers, I would have bought in 100% to transition. I would have said, I need to see Davion Taylor, like 85% of the snaps in there at linebacker. Why are we playing certain guys when we know they're not long-term contributors for the Eagles? Everything should have been about building forward with this team. They didn't. They won. So now they're two and three. They've got the Giants in their rearview mirror. They're tied with Washington in the division. They're only looking up at the Cowboys, and they got them again later. So the half a game they're behind, you can always make up. You just got to win that game. That game, of course, being week 19. No. Yeah, week 18 of a 17-game season. Uh, we don't even know what the standing is going to look like at that time. But if you know that you're going to get a shot to get that win back against the Cowboys, you can know on that and you can build on that. I thought yesterday was huge for them. And the way that Nick Sirianni uh, described it, a team win was something they also needed because in the given games for the first four games, one side of the ball was usually better than the other. Yesterday was a nice balanced effort. I'd say the defense was better than the offense, but the offense made the plays that they needed to when the defense gave them the chance in the second half. The Eagles needed a team win, and they got a team win. Yeah, exactly, Jody. And look, we'd be having a much different conversation today if they lost that game because okay. I agree with you. One in four, we'd be saying, all right, why isn't Davion Taylor playing? Why is Greg Ward on the football field? Well, I mean, we can still ask that, but, you know, why is Jalen Rager well, on the well, 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 I'm, I'm going to get on your case the same way I got in McMullen. You need more Jalen Rager? No, I don't want Jalen Rager. That that was the point. Well, then you need, the you need more J-Jaw? No, we don't need him. Well, they don't have anybody. Somebody's got to play wide receiver. We know there's uh, Devontae. We know there's Quez. They use a lot of three wide receiver sets. Who's that third wide receiver? You don't like Walker. You don't, who do you want? I don't like, like, like any of them outside Devonta Smith and Quez Watkins. How's that? What's that? 
I don't like any of them outside Devonta Smith and Quez Walker. They need help there. They need help bad at wide receiver. But the, wait, the roster is what it is right now. We're not talking about 2022, Jeff. We're talking about the roster right now. They have five wide receivers. They're going to play three, a goodly amount of it. They got both of their tight ends on the field. They got more than their fair share of 12. And they're not going to play 12 every single down, but they're going to play it enough that the third of that group is going to be lesser. But I'd just as soon have it Greg Ward as I would uh, Jalen Rager. Come on. I just feel bad for him that he's the veteran wide receiver on this team. This, this should not be the case for him. I mean, really, Greg Ward should be a solid number four for your football team. And they're trying to make him something that I personally don't think he is. You know, just the leader, the veteran leader of this wide receiver group. And he's not that. But I still feel like he can be a part of this football team. It's just. I, I don't know. I did not like him in on that touchdown play. And again, if you have to pick between him and JJ Ortega Whiteside, you're in a you're between a rock and a hard place right now. So I guess Nick Sirianni went to, hey, let's try this guy out. Well, he made the same mistake the other guy did. Well, what am I supposed to do? Do I bring up Keyshawn Johnson on, from the practice squad? I mean, I don't know. And again, back to my initial point here. You know, if they're one and four, you and I are definitely looking at this as okay, you know, we're going on Tankathon, and we got to see what the Dolphins... By the way, the Dolphins losing is awesome, and Howie Roseman is completely fleecing them right now because they look in the midst of a four-win football team the way things are going in Miami. uh, I know they play Tampa, but their defense is bad. Their offense is even worse. That's looking really good right now. And, you know, it's it's funny, Jody, because, you know, if they lose, you're saying, okay, they're going to be one in five. Where are they ever going to win a game? You know, can they beat Vegas? Well... I don't know. And, you know, now I'm starting to think they can beat Vegas and they can beat Detroit and they can, after eight games, they can potentially be four and four and still be competitive. And look, when you got this, these extra draft picks, thanks to the Dolphins and the Colts, you can compete a little bit here. And all of a sudden things don't look so bleak with this organization. I know people want to write off Jalen Hurts after nine starts, but you know, we were talking earlier before the show, if he's not a top 10 quarterback, but he's not terrible, I think you could still win with that because you can build stuff around him. That's what I want out of this football team right now. I want to get to Jalen Hurts in a second, but I do want to ask you one more question before we turn our attention to the quarterback. And response that we got to a guest we had on Birds 365 last week. You mentioned the Lions, who the Eagles have coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, And you said, yeah, they're playing hard. Yeah, they're 0-5, but... Uh, you're not the only one who thought that way. I was doing my show yesterday on CBS Sports Radio. I do the last two hours of Ion Football with Zach Gelb. Um, and Gelb said something very similar to, yeah, the Lions hang tough and they just find ways to lose. The key to me in that sentence is find ways to lose. They're 0-5. They couldn't keep the Vikings from getting into scoring position with 33 seconds left yesterday. Adam Thielen made two catches of one over 20 yards, one just under 19 yards in the last three plays from scrimmage of that game. That's terrible. That's just awful. I don't care whether Dan Campbell cried after the game or not. That's that they just find there's something to be said for finding ways to lose. They do it on a weekly basis. I I don't see any moral victories here for the Lions. Uh, Zach did yesterday. It sounded to me like you did. Why are we giving the Lions credit for being 0-5? 
I think from a national perspective, and look, I had to hear this every single week this offseason between two teams, the Lions and the Texans, how bad they're going to be. Well, let me tell you something. The Lions played the Texans. I think the Lions being by 20. I really do. And that's with Davis Mills playing well yesterday. Against them. I don't think New England's any good at all. Like, I thought that game was going to be a lot closer <laughs> than a lot of people indicated going into that game. And, you know, I'll pat my own back here. I was right. But overall, I just think this Lions team, look, I am a, I am a guy I could go play for Dan Campbell. I really would like to play for a guy like that. It's he did not blame his defense for losing that game. You can tell that guy just takes all the – he's authentic. He's genuine. It's – he could have said, you know, exactly what you said. Well, you know, that's bad by our defense to let that go. You know, pull the Urban Meyer stuff, what he did with Trevor Lawrence. Well, Trevor wasn't ready to take the quarterback sneak. Well, no, Dan Campbell said, we played our butts off yesterday. And, look, I know we're not good, but – they easily – I look at it this way with the Detroit Lions. They needed a 66-yard field goal and a 54-yard field goal to beat them. That That has never been done in NFL history. A team through five games of the season – by the way, NBC, thanks for stealing my stat on that. Um, you know, that they had 50-yard walk-off field goals with no time left on the clock and lost. So – they could easily sit here and be two and three right now, like the Eagles. They could be optimistic, but that's football. Uh, unfortunately, look, I look at it with Detroit like this. I don't think they're a good football. They have so many issues. They have so many problems. They have no receivers. They have no pass rush. They have no nobody in the secondary. Every pick they seem seems to be a bust, and yet they're still hanging in there. What's this guy going to do if this front office actually gets him some talent? Uh, okay, uh, that's one way to look at it. Here's my way to look at it. Next week, they got Cincinnati. If Joe Burrow plays, they lose. The week after that, they're at the Rams. They lose. Yeah, they lose. Well, the week after that, they got the Eagles. Eagles are ticking up. I'm a little excited about the Eagles. They lose. The week after that, they're at Pittsburgh. They lose. The week after that, they're at Cleveland. They lose. The week after that, they're at Chicago. They're home Chicago. And uh, I think by that point... Out. <laughs> okay, you and I will uh, get a wager on that game because All by right. that point, they will have taken the uh, uh, training wheels off Justin Fields, which they had on yesterday. Everything was short. They handed the ball off plenty. By that point, he'll have established himself as a quarterback in this league. All he does is win two straight games. He's got two straight wins. Oh, he'll get another win against the uh, Lions. Mark it down. Uh, then they've got a rematch with Minnesota in their house. Oh, if they were so close to winning that, yeah, they're going to lose that game. That's uh, at Denver, game. they're going to lose that game. Arizona, duh, Arizona may still be undefeated. They're going to lose that game. At Atlanta, December 26th, there's your Christmas present. That might be the first Lions win. I think they're looking at it like 0-11 or 0-12, but that Dan Campbell, he keeps them fighting. He keeps them playing hard. 0-5 is 0-5. Stop it. I'm just looking at it from a national perspective here. I'm I'm just saying I was told how bad they're and they are gonna be bad, but how much worse can you be than 0 and 5? 0 and 5 and you get blown out, or 0 and 5 you lose close. 0 and 5 is 0 and 5 at the end of the year. I agree, but didn't we expect this though? Like I didn't expect them to actually have two wins taken away from them. <laughs> I you know, if you'd laid it out like that, I would be okay with it. 
Well, they were expected to be pretty bad, and guess what they are? They're 0-5. Not, oh, they're 0-5, but damn, they hang in there. Damn, they're close. We got that, that, that coach is going to play. No, that coach is going to play stupid at the end of the game. They let Adam Thielen get 40 yards and catches on two, on two passes with less than 30 seconds to go in the game. That's just bad defense. It's nice he stuck up for his players. I'm sure all his players like him. I'm not one of his players. I can look and go, what are you talking about? You lost. You had the game, you lost. I, all right. We're off on a lion tangent. I apologize for that. All right, let's get back to the now. It's just you're the second one that went there while I was doing a show with them that I just didn't understand. Why? Ooh, the Lions are so close. No, they're not. They're 0-5. Um, back to the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Uh, J.K., we had uh, Mike Garfolo of the NFL Network on last week. And Mike's always good whenever he comes on. He's a Philly guy through and through. Even though he's a national reporter these days, he wears Philly on his, his sleeve. And that's why we like having Mike on. But he gave an opinion on Jalen Hurts that I did not think was too far off. But we got more response first on the stream here on Birds 365 and then on uh, Twitter thereafter. Just ripping Mike Garofalo, which I didn't quite understand. His point was, and again, I'm I'm, uh, paraphrasing and I'm shrinking down a longer comment that he made. His point was right now with Jalen Hurts, you're in probably the worst position possible that if you were an Eagle fan, Eagle general manager, Eagle owner, what you'd be rooting for is he'd be a top five quarterback in the league that you decided to trade Carson Wentz. So you turn the job to him and he would be a star and just blossoming before our very eyes. He hasn't been. Or you would hope that he would be playing like Carson Wentz did last year. Awful, bad, no questions asked. This guy's not an NFL quarterback. He's not. He's playing better than that. He is where he is, which is in the middle. And that's probably not what you wanted coming into the season. You wanted to either have him establish himself as a star or give you the chance to realize, all right, we need to be better than this. This guy's not good enough. He's no, he's in the middle. I I, I gave you the I looked up the stats this morning. Let me give you give them to you. Quarterback rating. All the quarterbacks in the league. Jalen's at 93.3. That ranks 18th out of 32, 34 quarterbacks. There's a couple teams that have two quarterbacks who have played, so it's quite like 34 guys. He's 18th. What is that? Yeah, dead in the middle. Um, Seven touchdown passes so far this year in five games. Believe it or not, I I thought that would actually be lower. He's 16th, dead in the middle, right in the middle, tied at 16th with seven touchdowns. His completion percentage is 64.8. That would be 19th, again, in the middle. Yards would be 1,365. He's actually a little higher at 11th. But here's the one thing about the yards. And tell me if this is fair or not. He's gotten a couple garbage time yards. And when I say garbage time, I mean Cowboys had a big lead. The other team's playing prevent defense. They're going to let you throw stuff underneath. He got an, oh, by the way, touchdown against the Cowboys. Last week against Kansas City. Kansas City's got a big lead in the fourth quarter. Prevent defense. Their defense isn't all that good to begin with. And when they're in prevent, you absolutely can throw the ball against them. Uh, Another, oh, by the way, touchdown and a whole bunch of yards late in that game. They count. They're part of the 1,300 and change, I said. But if you put them in a context of how did he get them, 
Yeah, not as impressive. Now, uh, the big play to Watkins yesterday, they did, had to come from behind to win. You get bonus points for that, but you also need to put those other yards in perspective. He's 11th. He's middle of the street. That's what he is. And that's what Mike Garofolo said. And the people got so worked up about, who is this guy? What is he not? Was he a little more pessimistic than I am? I'm more glass half full than glass half empty. But let's be honest, the glass isn't filled to the brim. If he was, then Jalen Hurts would be a top five, top four, top three quarterback. What is it that Eagle fans get defensive of their guys? If anyone questions their guys even a little bit, they get their nose all bent out of shape. Why do you think that is? Oh, because, you know, we're the root of all evil and we all know what we're talking about. You know, at least from the national perspective. That's what I, I always hear all the time. Oh, you don't watch this. I'm like, well, this is where I agree and disagree with Mike. He is right. Jalen Hurts is in the middle right now, and that's not a bad thing. He, he's not. I think people took that way too personally and seriously because I don't think they want to admit that Jalen Hurts is never, probably never going to be Patrick Holmes or Justin Herbert. He's just not. Now I'm going to look at it from this perspective. Who's to say he can't get better? Like, whatever happened to letting these guys develop? You know why the Buffalo Bills are the Buffalo Bills right now? Because they actually didn't give up on Josh Allen. They used the first-round pick on him. They developed him. Brian Dable and all those guys in Buffalo decided, you know what? This is our guy. We think he has potential. Forget the 55% completion percentage. And look what he is now. He probably is one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in football through five games this season. And he's been like this now. This isn't a one-year thing. He's been better than he was last year. He can move his arm. He can move with his legs. Look at Lamar Jackson. Same thing. All I, all I ever hear on Twitter is, he's a running back. He can't win a playoff game. He can't do this. He can't do that. Well, guess what? He does it. Oh, and by the way, Lamar Jackson is really, really good. Why can't Jalen Hurts be Josh? Or why do we have to judge him after nine games? And look, I get what Mike's saying, but can we calm down with the hot takes on this guy? Like on all these guys, can we let this guy play and get better? Is it the worst thing in the world that Jalen Hurts is going to be your quarterback in 2022? No, it's not. When is this Eagles going to win a Super Bowl in the next two years? No, but I'll tell you what, they're going to be a lot better if Jalen Hurts gets better. You know, his completion percentage is already up. His yards per attempt is already up. I think Nick Sirianni does a pretty decent job at actually playing to his strengths. Who's to say his arm strength can't get better? Who's to say him throwing across the middle can't get better? I talked to Jalen Hurts Friday. We were talking exactly about this. He goes, and, you know, I wish I could, you know, be just, you know, not putting words in his mouth, but, you know, we were joking about it a little bit. Hey, you know, you go on social media and, you know, we were talking about the rat poison stuff. He goes, you know, rat poison is, he said, it's not some Nick Saban taught you. He said, I went to Alabama, obviously. Some people listen to that stuff. Some people listen to Coach Saban and some people don't. And I feel I was one of the people who listened to him. So Jalen Hurts is a smart guy. I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to get better. But can we just hold off on the Jalen Hurts can't do this when I literally present facts to you and you want to contest them because you have some agenda going on? Fine. But I'm just putting the stats out right now. There's only four quarterbacks in NFL history that have more yards through nine starts than Jalen Hurts. Why don't we go on what he's done now and what he potentially can be instead of just saying, 
He's done. We need Malik Wills. We need Carson Strong. We need Spencer Rattler. Oh, by the way, it was Ben Saturday. We need these college quarterbacks who really we don't know anything about. Well, I was agreeing with you in a second, but uh, what you said there at the end, I, I you just completely blew away the point that I made about the old, by the way, yards. Oh, he's got more yards. Than, well, but he got a bunch of those yards in garbage time. When the other defense was saying, here, please throw the ball against us. As long as you keep in bounds and run the clock and we're going to end up winning the game by two scores, go ahead, take as much yard. So there are numbers, there are stats. You can crunch them. You can move them any way you want. Uh, and, and, and let us add the running stats that Jalen Hurts is putting up. Because you're right. The comparison to Lamar Jackson is dead on. There's more than one way to skin a cat. And Jalen does it with his legs as much as he does it with his arms. And that absolutely counts in the conversation. Here's where you and I are the same. And this is where I think everybody got ticked off at Garoppolo. He kind of took a hot take and a stance and said, I don't believe Jalen Hurts is going to be a winning quarterback in this league. Good for Mike. He wants to make a decision as quickly as he does. I think that would be ill-advised and foolish, but he, he took the stance. Here's my stance. And there are some uh, like the stuff uh, in comparison to historical quarterbacks and the like. No, Jalen Hurts has not been that good. I don't care what the numbers say. I don't care. There are certain stats that may point to that, but there are reasons he's been able to achieve those stats. Here's my point. And I made it last week and after this week's performance, which again, two touchdown runs, outstanding, less than 200 yards, eh, no touchdowns, one pick, eh. It was an okay game for Jalen Hurts. That's all it was. It wasn't a that bad game because he ran for two touchdowns. Won a great game because he didn't throw for any, and he's kind of lucky to get 200 yards. We're still in the evaluative process. Why do we have to make a stance right now? Why do we have to say, Jalen is the man? What do you mean, draft the quarter? We got our guy. I don't know that. What do you mean, Jalen Hurts? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply can't play he's never going to win he's never going to be a franchise quarterback never going to be a lead quarterback i don't know that he's played five games this year i don't count the ones last year near as much as this year because it's his team now he's the quarterback last year he was just filling a void for carson Wentz. so these five games means much more to me than any of the three plays last year five five games you've got a season of 17 why do you have to take a definitive stance after just five. It's not even a third of the way through the season. Can we let this play out a little bit? Can we let him play out a little bit before we make the call? That's all I'm saying. 
But yeah, everybody needs to have an opinion immediately. See, 20 minutes of game, and I can tell you exactly what's going to happen for the next five years with this person. Well, then you're a better evaluator than me because I can't tell. Sometimes it's blatant. Sometimes it jumps up and you can see it immediately. God, this kid is great. Or God, this kid sucks. Jalen Hurts hasn't done either of those two things yet. You can't say that about him either way. But everybody has got to do that. And that's why I think everybody got so annoyed at Garofolo last week because he came out and said, my opinion is, yeah, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be good enough. I'm not there yet, but I'm also not anointing him as the Eagle quarterback for the next step. He's no Bobby Hoying. Let's say that, Jody. He's no Bobby There you go. Oh, that damn! You and I weren't working together at the same time. What were you in uh, grade school when Bobby Hoying? I was probably in second or third grade when Bobby Hoying was lighting up the Cincinnati Bengals. I remember that game. Him and Boomer going up and down the field. That was great. But yeah, the Eagle fans got—they wanted to build a statue down at the vet for Bobby Hoying, as a matter of fact. And I tried to tell everybody on WIP, you realize he was surrounded by a whole bunch of first-round draft picks at Ohio State, right? That his running back, he won the Heisman. His left tackle, number one overall pick. Shoot, his tight end was a first-round pick. Two wide receivers, both of them what first-round pick. Let's wait a little bit before we find out, did Bobby Hoying make those guys or did those guys make Bobby Hoying? Yeah, we found out those guys made Bobby Hoying. But uh, good point by you. Um, I, I'm just – I'm annoyed at Eagle fans. I'm annoyed at the guys like Mike Garofolo. And, and I think Mike – his, his point was generally correct that the Eagles haven't been able to make a determination. They want to make, they want to make a determination. Jalen Hurts is the guy or Jalen Hurts is not the guy, but you got to let it play itself out. You got to wait the entire season. You can't make the call after five games. Hey, can you imagine if, you know, team, again, like Buffalo, can you imagine if they wrote off Josh Allen after two seasons and just said, no, nah, Two seasons, five games. Go back and do this for me. Look up Josh Allen's first five games and terrible. see what he did They're his terrible. first five games. Yeah. And, you know, I was one of those people who actually went on Twitter and said, you know, I actually think Josh Allen's pretty good. And this is when he wasn't – and I heard guys, all the, all the geniuses who watch film all the time, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm like, let's give him time. Let's see what happens. Last year was like my Josh Allen like party. I, I'm like, oh yeah, Josh. And then I had to hear the haters again. The AFC Championship game. I'm like, is this what we're coming to right now? Like, he just took the Bills in the AFC Championship game. Probably if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers, he would have won MVP last year. So, and two of my favorite quarterbacks squared off last night: Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It was Allen fun. Got the, Allen got the better of them. All right, uh, quickie yeah. timeout. Come back. Jeff and I will continue talking birds. And we'll get Paul Domwich up in hour number two to give us that much more Eagle insight here on Birds comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, 
and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Victorious Monday, Birds 365 to the Eagles were winning. Carolina beat a 3-1 Panther team. Yeah, they didn't look all that 3-1 to me. Uh, and without Christian McCaffrey, they were a little compromised. Everybody in the NFL has injuries. But when the best player on the team is out, yeah, that's a little debilitating. But you take the wins any way you can get them, right, Eagle fans? And Eagles certainly got a much-needed one to get to two and three. Jeff Kerr in for uh, Johnny Mack uh, by my side here today. And Paul Domwich, uh, former Eagle Beat guy for the Daily News Inquirer, is going to jump aboard in less than 10 minutes from now. Um, we're talking about Jalen Hurts right before the break. I want to get uh, a read out of you, Jeff Kerr. Yesterday, Jalen Hurts ran it nine times for 30 yards, two of which he found the end zone, uh, which huge. The two Eagle touchdowns were both scored by Jalen Hurts. One of them should have been scored by Devonta Smith, but Greg Ward took a bad penalty, which took it off the board. But Jalen Hurts did run it in twice and nine carries yesterday. He was the Eagles' second leading rusher, uh, both in carries and in yards. Miles Sanders, 11 for 45. A couple of those good yards late, but foolishly got pushed out of bounds. Uh, but, but we'll move off that. Um, in watching the game, there were several plays yesterday for me that they go RPO, Jalen Hurts, uh, rolls out of the pocket, threw the ball downfield. Couple he completed, couple he didn't. I just saw open space in front of him, and I wanted him to take off, even more so than he did. He did nine times yesterday. I think it should have been more like 12, 13, 14 runs. That's just my read on the play. But I understand what Jalen's doing. He wants to make plays downfield. He doesn't want to become the running quarterback. He knows to achieve the status that we've been talking about here, elite quarterback, unquestioned. He's the guy going forward. He's got to do both. He can't just be um, like Lamar Jackson. Did you think he ran it enough yesterday, or did you get the same feeling watching the game that I did? Go, Jalen, go! And he uh, did. He decided to throw the ball. So whenever I watch football games, and I watch Don Bell, 
NFL games, especially when I don't know like the play as it's happening. I'm the run guy. I'm the guy saying run, run. <laughs> you know, Lamar Jackson all the time. I'm yelling run. I don't care what people think. Like 10 yards is 10 yards. If you have yeah. an opportunity to get 10 yards, you take 10 yards. And everybody's like getting on Jalen Hurts or, you know, before the Jake Elliott field goal because Quez Watkins was wide open. I'm the guy who's like, yelling five plays before why didn't he take off on this one play instead of throwing an incomplete pass and again i always thought this was Donovan mcnaz's biggest problem when he was in philadelphia too many people got into his head he needed to be a pocket quarterback and now nowadays we're seeing guys that just don't care like josh allen you know he don't care if he runs lamar jackson he don't care if he runs Kyler murray really don't care if he runs russell wilson don't care if he runs and you know, I know it increases the risk of getting hurt. Jalen Hurts is a big dude. Like, if he gets hurt, it's going to be off a late cheap shot, honestly. And I, I get they want to protect themselves. I get they want to improve throwing the football. But I'm with you, Jody. When there are lanes there, you got to take them. You got to keep this defense honest because all of a sudden, you got guys like Brian Burns, uh, Hassan Reddick, Jeremy Chin saying, hold on a second. Then you can use your arm and beat them and find wide open wide receivers. Look, I see Lamar Jackson do it every single week. You know why Lamar's a better passer? Because you have to worry about him running the football. By the way, Josh Allen, you mentioned him. 11 runs last night, 59 yards, and a big touchdown early in the game. Um, That's that's pretty damn impressive. And, oh, by the way, when he throws it downfield, he's got more options than the quarterback guys here in Philadelphia more. Big play options. Shoot, even Mahomes ran it eight times last night for 61 yards. So you got to be able to make plays with your legs. And the Eagles have one of those quarterbacks. That's a major thumbs up, at least in my book, for Jalen Hurts. And the other thing I want to give Jalen some credit for, and week one, he didn't do this. And I don't know if it just uh, it got in his head and he made a quick correction and has done it ever since. A lot of the RPOs, he's sprinting out wide. When he doesn't take off, he's holding the ball. He's still moving out. He gets to the sidelines. He realizes, well, I'm not going to be able to get positive yards at it. He just throws the ball out of bounds. And trying to force feed it or trying to turn it up and taking a hit, uh, both options not acceptable in my book. If you're going to try and throw it into a receiver that's not open and you end up getting picked, really bad play. You try and get two yards rather than no yards. You're just a dumb play. Yeah, you throw it out of bounds. It's going to look bad on your stats at the end of the game. So what? You take that hit rather than take an in-game hit that's going to end up coaching your team. He did it at least twice yesterday. Maybe it was three times. Eh, some good coverage by Carolina. Give Carolina credit uh, that they may deserve on defense. But Hurts, I think, has improved his smartness on what he does when he gets out of the pocket he's not making mistakes and yesterday even though it gets you nowhere now oh now it's third and long um that's the play he's got to make and i think Jalen Hurts is getting much better at that yeah and you know i thought how can i word this his situational football was really good yesterday uh the two-point conversion for example you got nothing to lose throwing that pass what he did and, you know, everybody's like, why did he throw that? Well, it's a two-point conversion. Who cares if it gets picked off? Well, the best thing happened. Devonta Smith caught it. So the Eagles got two points they badly needed. And I don't know if you saw the replay, Jerry, but, like, Jalen Hurts just kind of wins it or whatever. Yeah. Whatever he tries to do there. He's like, yeah, it is. He throw, threw it. I, I think if that's, like, first and goal, he doesn't do that. He probably just tried to 
get rid of the football on beforehand. But, you know, it's a two-point conversion. You know, and, yeah, Carolina could take it back. It was very unlikely that was going to happen. But his situational football, in my opinion, has improved a lot. And that was the one thing that really frustrated me with Carson Wentz the last two years. His situational football – and he's doing it with the Colts, too. It's just terrible. Like, I don't think some quarterbacks understand the intricacies of the game. Like, I think that's what separates – the Patrick Mahomes is, and Patrick Mahomes has had problems with this too, but the Josh Allens, the Justin Herberts, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, and Jalen Hurts seems to have grasped that concept of football. Like, he knows that there's another play. He's not all or nothing, and I got to give him credit for that, and I think that's one thing this Eagles brass really likes with this quarterback. It's he's not beating himself. Even on his pick yesterday, it wasn't like it was a great throw, probably a throw he shouldn't have made, but let's be real here. Dante Jackson, lot, not a lot of defensive backs make the play he made. It was a bad throw. I'm not going to yeah, tell the quarterback in the slack. He overthrew the guy by about five yards. Yeah, it might not have been a pick, but had no chance to be complete whatsoever. Um, and you're right about his football awareness. It is good. You have to know what you are capable of doing. And that means both from your own individual standpoint and your teammate's standpoint. That's why Mahomes gets himself in trouble because I think his football awareness is phenomenal. I just he think he thinks he can't make a bad play because he is so good that there is no such thing as something I can't do, which every once in a while gets him in trouble. All right, Jeff Curse here with me, Jody Mack. We are Birds 365. Quickie timeout will be joined by our buddy, Paul Domwich, who was couchbound yesterday watching an Eagle win. We'll get his thoughts next here on Birds 365. <laughs> comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. 
Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. It is an after-win Monday here on Bird 365. You get a victory down in Carolina against the Panthers. Jeff Kerr, Jody McDonald, joined by our good bud, Paul Domwich, who, yes, got to watch the game relaxing rather than having to go down to Cara and get in a hotel and then get a flight back and then come up. Did you miss the trip to Carolina, Mr. Domwich? You know, Charlotte's a nice town, but uh, I don't miss any trips anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, Damo. Go ahead, uh, Jeff. Yeah, Paul, uh, yeah, it's a shame, too, because, I, you know, Charlotte was where I would want to have been yesterday. I'm a big NASCAR fan. They they raced the playoff race at the Roval yesterday. So, you know, got to go there, got to go to NASCAR Hall of Fame. And, of course, the Eagles and Carolina played. My one buddy went to the Eagles game yesterday and was like, Hey, you know, this is a pretty nice stadium and you know, he's from down South and it's the first time he ever visited there. And I told him, I'm like, personally being from the outside of it, it's one of the top 10 teams in the league. Oh yeah. Charlotte's a great city it really is. Uh, you know, and I, I, I need to mention it's Les Bowen's hometown. So I had completely forgotten that shame on me. Um, We've been uh, breaking down a bunch of things here in the first hour and changing the show. I want to get your take on a couple of them. Um, Nick Sirianni gets a win. Needed. I agreed wholeheartedly what he said after the game. It was a team win because each and every aspect of the team contributed yesterday. But truth be told, bigger win for the defense because Jonathan Gannon had been ripped up the last couple of weeks. Granted, the level of talent that he was playing against – Took a little bit of a drop down yesterday. Dallas offense, Kansas City offense, Panthers offense. Uh, but he did get the job done. How much does this mean to Gannon and that room, the offense, the defense side of the ball, with the effort they put forward yesterday, Domo? Uh, I mean, this this was about as needed as uh, water when you spent two weeks in the desert. I mean, he that that ride home for him must have been really nice after last week. Um, I'm sure he heard a lot of as close to Nick Sirianni gets to screaming and yelling. Uh, certainly his job wasn't on the line, but I mean, Jonathan Gannon's supposed to be, you know, a revered defensive coordinator. And last week he was just embarrassed. Uh, so to come back, have his team bounce back with a performance like that against a team like Carolina uh, was huge for their confidence. And, you know, going forward, I think it'll, it'll help them a lot. Not, not necessarily Thursday, but uh, going forward. Yeah, speaking of Thursday, I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit here, but uh, Tom Brady obviously has, like, the hand injury, the finger injury. He downplayed it. Bruce Arians downplayed it. But they had some interesting comments about this Eagles team saying, look, we know we can't take them lightly. We did that last year with the Bears, and right. we lost our Thursday night game. So, you know, it's is it possible that the Eagles are just getting respect around the league? Well, I mean, you know, team coaches look at this team and <clears> – <throat> You know, they realize that offense can score against anybody. Uh, you know, the first half yesterday uh, being an exception. Uh, but, it's it, you know, they've got a lot of weapons. So, I mean, no matter how good a defense you have, 
And and right now Tampa Bay's got, you know, their corners are hurt. They're, I mean, they're, they're banged up. So, I mean, they're worried about the, the Eagles' ability to score points on, on Sunday. And plus, you know, Jalen Hurts has earned some respect around the league, uh, not only for passing, but for what he – the pressure he puts on the defense with his legs, as we saw yesterday in the second half. Damo, uh, Miles Sanders got a couple of screen passes thrown his way early yesterday. They went nowhere fast. Um, no, you're just watching it on TV like the rest of it. You're not watching game film or anything else. But the screen game wasn't working. They stuck with it, and it continued not to work. Was it the Miles Sanders? Was it the quarterback laying the ball out there for him? Was it the blocking schemes? Um the, contributed to a pretty shaky first half was the fact that the short passing game to the running back out of the backfield was not working uh, from what you saw or reasons yeah. to ferret out blame on this one. Well, I mean, the, the screen game has been one of the positives for that offense uh, in the first four games. Uh, it's been very successful. They were averaging about nine, 10 yards, uh, a pass attempt on screens. I think Carolina just, knew they were going to see a lot of it and, and basically said, you're not going to beat us that way. Uh, my, you know, one of my criticisms of, of Nick yesterday was that he, he kept going to it in the first half. He just wouldn't try other things. Well, he tried other things. I mean, the quick slants were taken away. They were taken away a lot. Uh, I was kind of wondering why early on, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you running more zone reads with, with, with Hertz, uh, forced them to spread out a little bit more. And that finally ended up being the case in the second half. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what did it on that two point conversion. Um, so, you know, their screen game is good. It's going to be the, one of their strengths all year, but if you don't succeed in other parts of your game, during, you know, teams are just going to focus on it. They're going to bring everybody up. They're going to jump those routes and, and, you know, you're not going to be able to block them. And that's what happened yesterday. So, um, you know, they just, they just need to, be, you know, they started to have some success in other places. The deep ball, uh, you know, that pass down the sidelines to Watkins, uh, you know, another one to Smith. So, you know, it, I think I think it was just a matter of, of Carolina being aware of it and daring them to beat them someplace else. Well, one of the things I thought was interesting about this team going into yesterday was I was surprised to see they were one of the few teams in the league with top 10 passing and rushing offense. And, I know you've pointed this out. They're really good running the ball on first down. So and a lot of this has to do with Jalen Hurts, but why doesn't this team or this coach feel they should run the ball more and set up these second imaginable situations? Yeah. I think until yesterday, Jeff, that they they view the, the screen game as an extension of the run game. So, you know, while everybody rips them for not having enough runs per game, I think Nick says, well, you know, we've got the RPO game, which is – which he considers the run game because it's, you know, it's a run until it's a pass. And then the, you've got the screens, which are essentially, you know, a run. I mean, uh, every pass is going to be complete or virtually everyone, just a matter of what you do uh, when you get the ball to that guy in space. So, uh, but yesterday I, I felt they just, they needed to start running it because they were taking away the screens and, you know, the run game ended up at the end being, being a valuable weapon. Why, why they didn't turn to it earlier. I don't know. And, and, you know, I like both Sanders and Gainwell in the run game and the pass game. Um, he became big play Slay yesterday. Darius Slay, since he's come over and gotten the big contract, has been a stone-cold solid defender in the Eagles secondary. 
And even though I thought the optics of it was bad, were bad last week when he said, hey, I'm doing my job. I don't know what the big deal is. Um, he just shouldn't have gone there. What he said was right. He has done a nice job in coverage. Finally became big play slay with a couple of interceptions. Much needed. I get that hits con uh, concept does work, huh, Damo? The turnover <laughs> part of it did kick in. Yeah, uh, you know, we're not seeing any, uh, you know, punching the ball out or stripping the ball for forced fumbles yet. But we're seeing, you know, yesterday we saw some interceptions. Uh, they can get three a game. They can they can beat anybody. <laughs> Paul, you know, I'll reiterate what Joey said. I think the secondary as a whole has been playing pretty good, um, you know, despite the injuries. And, you know, Steve Nelson's been okay, hasn't been terrible, which is good for Eagles cornerbacks. But Monte Max has been good in the slot overall. What are your thoughts on the secondary through five weeks? You're right. I mean, the problem early on has not been the secondary. It's been the pass rush. Um, and that changed yesterday. Uh, you know, we saw Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat all have, you know, nice games. I mean, Fletcher Cox finally was heard from. I mean, if, at, at some point I thought they were going to put his, I thought the Eagles might think about putting his uh, picture on a milk carton. I mean, he just was invisible. You know, I, I know he'll tell you, oh, double team, triple team. You know, if you're supposed to be the second best defensive tackle in the game, play like it. And he hadn't been. Uh, yesterday, he did. Uh, you know, Hargrave's been solid all season long. You know, sweat yesterday. And all of their sacks and pressures were coming on third down, uh, which is why Carolina did not convert many third downs, along with the fact that Sam Darnold was the quarterback. So uh, that, that that pass rush is what changed yesterday there. Their secondary has been playing pretty solid all year long. Avante Maddox had an outstanding game yesterday. That that ball he knocked away, that deep ball was just – I mean, that was just perfect timing. I mean, you watch that – you can't watch that enough. It's just it, – you know, if I if, if my, if my I had a son that was a DB, I mean, I would just like – watch this for about an hour. Watch how he plays it. I agree wholeheartedly. The timing – of the play in the play was great. And the timing of the play in the game was very necessary. They needed that big play there. And Avante Maddox gave it to him. All right. Speaking of big plays, we've been debating him a little bit earlier in the show. Jalen Rager. We're now a season and five games into his career as the as a Philadelphia Eagle. He was a first round draft pick. We understand that. Unfortunately for him, Jefferson was taken just behind him, and he continues to do what he does in Minnesota, which makes his job more difficult. But his job is his job, and we've got 22 games logged, and he hasn't made a major breakout play for me in any of them. And many games, you're like, well, what did Rager do? Yeah, not much again. Damn, why don't – where were you at with Jalen Rager and your evaluation of him? The Eagles are in one place. The coaching staff's in another Give me the Paul Domwich 22 games in evaluation of Jalen Rager. Yeah. I mean, right now he's their third, their third wide receiver. Uh, you know, he's the guy you use on those screens that didn't work yesterday. He's the guy you use on jet sweeps. Is he the guy you count on on third down? No. I mean, may, maybe that changes, but right now, you know, if, if, if I'm looking at go-to guys, Besides Dallas Goddard, it's it's obviously Devonta Smith and Quez Watkins. Uh, it's not Jalen uh, Rager. You know, I I don't know what's. You know, I think he's he, when they did not draft him. I mean, I was like everyone else, mystified that they didn't take Jefferson. Um, I did not think that Rager was a a player that couldn't play. I just didn't think you took him ahead of 
Justin Jefferson. So, I mean, and I think I'm still there. I think Rager will be okay. I don't think he's going to be a Pro Bowl player, uh, which is what you're, you know, you're supposed to be getting when you draft that high. Um, but, you know, they were fortunate. I mean, Quez, what, with a lot of guys where they, they miscalculated, they have been fortunate enough to uh, be, be lucky on the back end with Watkins uh, late, late in the draft to, to kind of counter the fact that Rager hasn't panned out. Uh, you know, that it's happened with some of their offensive linemen. I mean, Dillard didn't pan out and you got a seventh round uh, player like Malata and another fourth round pick like Driscoll that are, are panning out. So, you know, they've been fortunate that way, but Rager, uh, Rager is, I think he'll be better than he's shown in these first five games. Uh, but I don't think he's ever going to be a thousand yard receiver. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, the go-to guy for Jalen Hurts. Uh, Paul, I got a chance to speak to Jalen Hurts late Friday afternoon. And if I had to write a column on him, I, you know, Paul Donwood style, I probably would go with this. This guy just doesn't seem to care what people think of him, you know, good or bad. He, you know, we talked about the rat poison for about 10 minutes, what rat poison <laughs> actually is, which is, uh, which was pretty hilarious because he was laughing about the entire thing. And, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, this guy might end up being pretty good after all. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've been a, a Hertz fan since the day they drafted him. I didn't, you know, at the time, I mean, I know why they drafted him. It wasn't to be their number one quarterback necessarily, uh, but I felt he could be. You know, he's, you're right about his resilience. I mean, and I think a lot of that goes to his personal experience. I mean, look what happened at Alabama. I mean, guys like, you know, that, that destroys a lot of guys. You know, he stayed there. He learned from it, uh, you know, soaked up everything he could from Saban before he ends up transferring. You know, Oklahoma, he was told not to go there. Uh, you know, I mean, he went there because Saban said, go where, you know, the best players are. And, and that was Oklahoma. But, you know, you're going into a program like that cold. You know, it, it's, it's a difficult challenge. And he stepped in there learned the offense right away and ended up having a Heisman, you know, finalist type of year. So, you know, he's, he's getting better. You know, yesterday he shakes off a horrible first half uh, and ends up, you know, saving them at the end with his legs, with his arm, that, that pass to Goddard on the one scoring drive late in the game that passed to, to, you know, I mean, he's going to make bad plays. I mean, he missed Watkins down the field. Uh, yeah, that's what he needs to clean up. He he can't. You, you just can't miss the, that 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 kind of stuff. You can't miss Zach Ertz in the end zone last week when he was wide open. Those are the things he needs to get better at. But I mean, I think this kid's going to be a good quarterback. I think they're not going to have to go looking for a quarterback at the end of this year. We shall see how it plays itself out. And you're right, Jalen didn't have the best of games yesterday, but he made the big plays, mostly with his feet when he needed to when he won the game, which I think kind of outweighs everything else. But part of the reason why he didn't have his best game was the offensive line wasn't as good this week as it was last week. I know they're throwing it together on the fly, so many injuries, guys like Lane Johnson being out, personal reasons. I didn't agree with the way the Eagles aligned their line yesterday. Johnny Mack did. He even knew how they were going to do it because he got to see practice and he was told, listen, you will not be uh, divulging how we're planning on using our offensive line. Okay, he knew he had to keep it under his hat. Um, I think my lot is your left tackle. And if he's back, he needs to be your left tackle, not move to the right side. He's certainly more capable of doing it than Andre Dillard is. But when you have an option of 
plugging in a Nate Herbig, who I thought was pretty damn good the week before, that's the way I would have gone. I would have put my ladder back in and just taken Dillard out. Instead, the Eagles did some musical chair work and Driscoll moved back inside. I didn't think he was terrible filling in for Lane Johnson last week either. Um, I, I thought uh, they could have done a better job aligning their offensive line. My partner, Johnny Mack, is a big Dillard fan, so uh, he's stuck by Dillard. He didn't play terribly. He didn't play great. But my lot of played bad on the right side. Yeah. A couple of penalties, got beat back-to-back plays by Hassan Reddick. And I asked John if I th- if, thought they would reevaluate coming into this week. said, no, they'll say exactly with what they're doing. How do you make it, Damo? They do the right thing by putting the offensive line together the way they did because we don't know when Lane Johnson is coming back. Yeah, and – you know, that's where they've got an advantage over us, Jody. They've got to know when he's coming back or if he's coming back. Uh, the fact that they've moved Jordan over there makes me wonder about two things. One, is he coming back? And and they just realize they've this is a long-term. They've got to do this uh, because, you know, they're looking at the rest of the season. And, you know, they can't move Dillard over there. Uh, and, and Dillard's played well enough to, to continue to be a – part of this offensive line, but he can't play right tackle. Uh, so he's strictly a left tackle. And, and they believe Malata, even though he was had a rough time yesterday, is more versatile and can basically, you know, settle in there uh, at right tackle. So that, that makes me wonder about what's going on with Lane and whether he will be back. The other thing is, the other possibility is they don't want Dillard out of the lineup because, you know, the, the, the uh, trade deadlines at the end of October, end of October, I believe. Correct. And uh, mid season. So you still want to hang out. You still want to give people a good look at him, especially if he's going to start to play well here. And uh, uh, so that you could get his, you know, if you want to, if Lane comes back and you want to consider trading him. So, uh, but it, you know, they, they suffered in the short term yesterday. I mean, I, I was shocked, you know, even though Mulata was playing a, different position he got beat really handily on those two plays um but again almost like hurts the kid's resilient i mean he goes up to you know you guys listen to the press conferences and, and you know he goes to, to hurts after hurts uh is, is struggling and tells him you know next play next play you know uh, an offensive lineman that did, hadn't played football three years ago is telling his quarterback this uh kind of, i mean it's a nice thing to see yeah, Paul, one th- one player, it's so hard for me to make a determination on him. He's in his fifth year now, and I've talked to my old high school coaches about that. I played defensive end in high school. I don't look good now, but, you know, uh, college coaches. It, Darren Barnett gets pressure on the quarterback. He can stop the run. He makes a lot of plays, but he also does a lot of bonehead decisions. But yesterday was one of those good performances. I really don't know what to make of this guy so far. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a good player. You're right. He just makes some dumb plays. He's not consistent enough for me. Um, but he's, you know, he can set the edge. He can rush the passer. You know, I don't think he's going to be back because they're not going to want to, you know, he's not worth the money. Uh, you know, he's making, what, $10 million this year in the option year, uh, which, you know, was they had to think long and hard about doing. I think next year they just let him go and go in another direction to find help there because they're obviously going to need help. I mean, Brandon's, I'm sure, going to try to come back, but he's 34 years old. I mean, you got that's a you know that's an area that they've got to strengthen in the off season. Uh, they're going to have a lot of ways to do it. They're going to have a lot of draft picks. If they don't need a quarterback, 
you know, you probably see them go after one of the top edge rushers uh, in the draft. You know, they're going to have a lot of money and space with, with Wentz off the books and, and the cap going through the roof so that they can get any free agent out there they want. So it's going to be an important season, offseason for them to, to, to restructure that, that defensive line. Along those lines, Damo, um, you mentioned the trade deadline, which is three weeks from tomorrow. November right. 2nd is the actual trade deadline. Um, let's say the Eagles win two out of their next three games. Yeah, they get beat by Tampa, but then they win their next two games, which are both winnable. They'll probably be underdogs in both, but they find a way to win. And we're sitting here and the Eagles are all of a sudden four and four after eight. They're at the trade deadline. Are they trading Andre Dillard for a draft pick? That's a possibility, which if you do that, then you're certainly not helping this year's team addition of a draft pick. Or are they actually trying to add a piece, like maybe an extra defensive end? You guys are higher on Barnett than I am. I'm I'm, I'm done with him. I've moved on from him. He's like Vincent Velasquez for me. At some point, no matter how long you try and say, give the guy a shot, give the guy, he flashes. Oh, he flashed for me. Give him another shot. No, uh, I moved on from Vince Velasquez. I've moved on from Barnett too. You're right, Dama, when you say they need more defensive end. Who knows when Brandon Graham comes back at What if somebody's available at the defensive end position who's got another year to go on his contract? Could the Eagles actually be buyers at the trade deadline? Well, they don't have a lot of uh, cap flexibility, so that that would Damo, as a matter of fact, they're number two in the NFL with cap space as of right now. Now, Howie Roseman has mortgaged the future. He's got Fletcher Cox. If they ever want to move away from Fletcher Cox, they'll be screwed like they're screwed with Carson Wentz this year. Howie's done a lot of pushing money into the future. They have flexibility this year. They could add somebody if they wanted to. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be a veteran, uh, an older guy. Um, If they can somehow find a younger guy that's available that they really are high on. You know, let's say they're four and four at the end of October. Um, You know, I think they realize now the NFC East is not winnable. Um, The Cowboys aren't going. Cowboys aren't going to do what the Cowboys usually do. So, I mean, right now they're one of the best teams in the league. In my, in my mind, they're one of the top three or four teams in the league. Mm. And I don't think that's going to change unless they are just devastated by injuries, uh, which would mean the quarterback going down and maybe one of their wide receivers. Um, so that's where you they're going to have to make the buy or sell decision. I, can, they win, can they win a wild card spot? You know, look around the league. I don't think that's, that's realistic. I mean, I had them pegged for an – an eight and nine season, which I thought was pretty good considering where they're coming from and, and where they want to go. Um, so I, they're kind of caught in that spot where you're, you don't know whether you want to be a buyer or a seller. You don't want to mortgage the future, but if somebody's out out there that you can get on the cheap that you maybe like better than most people, um, uh, you do it. If some, I don't, I don't think they'd give Dillard away unless they get a really good price. And I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, somebody would have to be in a situation where, you know, they're a playoff team whose left tackle just went down the week before, two weeks before, and they just need help right away. And, you know, that situation happened, you know, several years ago when that's how, how they got the great deal for Sam Bradford. Could it happen again? Sure. Would it? Will it? Probably not. So if you were asking me, I'd say Dillard's going to be on this roster long term. 
Paul, one of the reasons I'll stick up for Howie Rosen from time to time, and we know his draft history is not great, but one of the reasons I feel he keeps his job here, besides his close relationship with Jeffrey Lurie, is he just seems to finagle people in trades. And, you know, everybody likes to mention Jannard Avery. Well, I think it's a pretty good gamble right now what he did with the Dolphins. And the Dolphins look like they're going to get a top five pick at at the very – best the top 10 they, they look awful the Colts yeah. you know you kind of want them to stay around obviously with the snap count thing but you know, <laughs> they they don't look good no. it, it's it's very possible the Eagles highest pick in the draft may be their own it's you got to give Howie Rosen credit for this stuff right oh yeah absolutely and and you know he's he's got a few go-to places just like uh, Jalen's got some go-to receivers uh Howie's got some go-to teams when he wants to make a trade and, and make a trade that can really help him. Miami's one of those spots. I mean, you, you look at several of the deals they've made over the last several years with, with the Dolphins going, you know, the trade up in the first round. The, I mean, you go all the way back to uh, when they traded away Kiko Alonso and uh, um, Byron Maxwell uh, t- to trade up for the, to get Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, so he, he's done a good, you know, he runs hot and cold. I mean, you know, you go back to, I mean, the reason he was executive of the year in 2017 was because everything he touched turned to gold. I mean, every move he made in the off season, uh, free agency wise solidified that Super Bowl team. I mean, uh, you know, Patrick Robinson, you can go down the list of guys that ended up being important uh, role players in that Super Bowl winning team. You know, and, and he gets the credit for that. He, and then he goes and has just some horrific drafts. So, you know, every every but nobody's perfect in the in the in the talent evaluation process. Uh, he doesn't get much of the benefit of the doubt because he's a non-football guy, and people look at him and say he never played the game, which he hasn't. Uh, but that there's a lot of great talent evaluators that didn't play the game, and I'm not defending how he's made a lot of bad moves. He needs to be second guessed for a lot of them. Uh, I'm just saying that he he's not a complete idiot. He's made a, a lot of good moves, including this year. And as I uh, noted earlier, I looked it up on over the cap. Um, Eagles number two with cap space in the NFL. Jags have 30 million available. Eagles at 16.5. Broncos 16.1 and third. Mm-hmm. How he did that, I don't know. I uh, other I than I know he's got bad deals going mm-hmm. on down the road and extended money and uh, expo- disposable years and the like. But he is in a uh, pretty good spot if he wanted to add something. That's why I think we're going to have a lot of fun talking about that uh, three weeks from now when the trade deadline comes up. All right, uh, national topic. I want to get your take on it too, Damo, because I know you followed the whole league. Uh, yesterday, watching the Eagles, if I'm not watching a play, I go to the red zone. They're in commercial, blah, 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 watch a couple things. Go back. If I miss a play, it's on DVR, so it's no big deal. Um, every time I turned in the red zone, the guy, Scotty Hansen was saying, and they missed an extra point. I actually thought they were going to have an extra point zone channel yesterday. 12 missed PATs in the NFL. It it absolutely had an impact on the games and the way the games were played and the like. Do you think the NFL is going to revisit that, Domo? Ten years ago, whatever it was, when they pushed it back from the Stone Cold given 10 yards out, 20-yard kick, everybody made 96% of the kicks. Not so much anymore. Is it a good thing or a bad thing for football? No, I think it's a good thing. I mean, anytime you don't have a, you know, a gimme play, it's a good thing. Um, you know, it's the same. It's the same thing now with kickoff returns. I mean, what touchbacks are happening ninety percent of the time now? 
Fox doesn't even has, has decided sometimes to not even show it. I mean, they're they're still in commercial break, and you, they they came back yesterday a couple of times, and it was you know the Eagles had the ball on the twenty five yard line because they're just gambling that uh, you know we can you know we can make money on the commercial and uh, nobody's going to return it for a, for a touchdown. What's weird, Jody, is I think there may be more 50-yard field goals than ever before this year as well. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, kickers are have stronger legs than ever, and yet, like you said, I mean, so many missed extra points. But I, I like it. I, I don't like anything that's just a, a gimme. You know, it, it adds some uncertainty to the situation and 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 makes it you – know, it, it also creates uh, motivation to go for two. I don't know – I haven't checked the numbers to see if that's happening at a greater rate, but it should. Paul, I got to get your take on the taunting penalties here. I think some of these have been absolutely ridiculous. And then I go see Ezekiel Elliott high step his way into the end zone. I'm like, well, isn't that the definition of taunting? But, you know, they let that go. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, what is taunting now? Like, why can't you just let these guys have some fun? It's what everybody wants to know. It's, It's a weird deal because the players don't like it. The officials don't even like it. Uh, the coaches don't like it. The only people that seem to like it are the people in the the uh, Manhattan offices of uh, the NFL. Uh, it's you know the, the officials don't like it because it's just so difficult to call. You know, it's kind of like targeting. The uh, it just makes their job harder. I think eventually, I think it'll be discussed during the offseason, The taunting rule. I think it'll it'll probably uh, get eliminated either this year or next year. All right, uh, Damo, you mentioned you think the Cowboys wanted a two or three, three or four. I apologize for not remembering exactly. I'd right. like to quote you exactly. Did you say top two or three or top three or four? Top uh, three or four right now. Three or four, okay. Yeah, um, I don't have them near that high. Uh, certainly, I've got the bills off what they did last night. That mm-hmm. I Chargers are getting a whole lot of love over in the AFC. Um uh, there, uh, you got the uh, Rams in the NFC, which people are singing their praises because of Matthew Stafford. And then there's the only undefeated team, the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> who, for my money, still aren't getting the respect they deserve because there's one undefeated team. The Miami yeah. Dolphins from the 70s have not had a chance to crack the champagne yet because of the Arizona Cardinals. Not anybody else are the Cardinals being underappreciated for what they've achieved yeah. in the first five games. They are. And, and you know what? I, I'm guilty of that, not because I don't believe they're as good as they're playing, because now they have a defense. I mean, they've done an outstanding job of turning that team into a complete team. Um, you know, Steve Kime has just done a marvelous job uh, of improving it. He's gotten, you know, he's gotten Kyler Murray receivers. Uh, you know, I mean, he's got A.J. Green on, on one side, DeAndre Hopkins on the other. You've got running backs that can catch and run. Uh, you know, it's going to be, I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be there at the end. Uh, but, you know, I do power rankings for uh, the 33rd team.com. And, you know, a couple of weeks back, I'm still like, well, they still have to prove themselves. So I had them at like fourth or fifth. And the people I have in front of them just aren't doing anything to, to make, you know, to feel like you, you got to replace them. I mean, Tampa Bay is, is still in, in, you know, still the number one team on my uh, uh, list. Uh, you know, you've got you. you know, I believe the Cowboys are, are three. I've got the Bills at two. So, I, but I think you know the Cardinals. I mean, right now, I I think they're a, a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I mean, other years 
you wonder, are they a flash in the pan? Is Ky- you know, is Kyler can is Kyler Murray really a good that good a quarterback? He is. Um, you know, you see a lot of you see a lot of Jalen Hurts in him. Uh, he's got more. He's a more instinctive player than Jalen as far as getting away from a rush. That's where Jalen. Another thing Jalen needs to work at. But I mean, just having that mo- having that quarterback with that kind of mobility just changes your offense so much. Speaking of the Cardinals, uh, our old friend Jordan Hicks. Uh, I covered a lot of this during the summer. He looked dead in the water. You know, if I would have, I would have bet the house on two things: probably the Cardinals winning the NFC West because I was a big believer, <laughs> and Jordan Hicks was going to go somewhere. He was going to play Arizona's uniform. Not not only was he named the captain. He's probably one of their best defensive players. It's just incredible what that defense has done through five weeks. Yeah. I mean, Hicks, you know, there was never any question about his ability. It was just whether he could stay healthy. He couldn't here. Um, he, he he can now. And, and and if he stays healthy, he's he's not only a great player, but he's, like you said, he's a team captain. He's a great leader. Damo, last thing. And uh, I'll apologize in advance for asking this question. And again, my bad. And I apologize to Clark Judge last week because I should have given him a heads up. And I meant to do this with you again when I texted you and said, will you come on the show? And I forgot. So it's all on me. But I'm going to put you in a tough spot anyway. Um, We asked Clark when we had him on last week, one of your fellow uh, Hall of Fame voters, what he thought about Shady McCoy's Hall of Fame status. Because they brought Shady back, retired as an Eagle, had the ceremony last week. Good stuff. Good for Shady. Good for the Eagles. I have my opinion on whether Shady is a Hall of Fame back. Yours is much more important because you got to vote. And chances are they'll ask you to make the speech for Shady McCoy because according to Shady, he's an eagle. Even though he got a Super Bowl ring with Tampa, even though he got a Super Bowl ring with Kansas City, even though he had some really good years with Buffalo, they'll probably say, Dumbwood, you got to make the speech. you got to make the case if we're going to elect Shady as a, a Hall of Famer if he gets that far, which I think he will because I think he's a borderline guy. I think he deserves to be presented by you or whoever else. I think you deserve consideration. I think you'll get past the opening stages. But I don't know that I could cast my vote for him as a Hall of Famer. I don't know if you've given it any thought. You're as good as you are at what you do. So you probably have. So I probably didn't need to apologize in advance, but I did. And if I have to, I apologize again. Uh, Give us your take, Shady McCoy Hall of Famer. Well, I have thought about it. I I wrote about it last week for uh, the, the 33rd team. Dot com. Um, let me preface this by saying, I mean, while I am the Philadelphia representative on the on the Hall of Fame selection committee, I don't necessarily if I don't believe a guy's, you know, if a guy makes the final 15 and I don't believe and he's an eagle and I don't believe he belongs in the Hall of Fame, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've always felt that way and made it clear in several several times when I've written stories when I was with the Inquirer about Donovan McNabb. You know, if he ever made it, which I to the hall to the final fifteen, I I'd have to be honest and say I don't think he belongs in. Uh, with Shady, I think he belongs in. Uh, I'll tell you why. You know, I mean, his numbers are right now the two people that are are going to get in before him uh, that are of this generation are Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. Uh, both have better numbers as, as far as rushing, as far as yards from scrimmage, as far as overall touchdowns. So I think, you know, both Gore and Peterson and Shady all are going to be eligible about 2026. And those two will will be the first two in. I mean, I, you know, Gore is like the third leading rusher in NFL history. Uh, Shady's probably a better player, but 
you know, I mean, Gore's Gore. I mean, he, he's put up the numbers and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, I mean, Shady's numbers, when you look at them and when you look at other things, the two-time All-Pro, the leading the league in rushing, which which Gore never did. And, and uh, I mean, Peterson's a different case. Peterson's a slam dunk. I, but I think Gore will be, too. I think I think Shady's going to have to wait a few years, probably, because, you know, when you look at the pattern, and I have, of, of, of you know, it's usually one running back, no more than one running back a year sometimes one every two years. Uh, there's only been one year in, since 1990 that two running backs have gotten in. That was when Terrell Davis and uh, wasn't that, that long ago got in. So, you know, it's he's going to have to wait a little bit, but I, I think Shady will get in the Hall of Fame. And I think, you know, honestly, uh, when I look at his numbers and, and I had a chance to, and I talked to Vic Carucci about this, who's the Another Hall of Fame selector who's from Buffalo watched watched him play after he left Philadelphia, and he's he's also strongly believes. And he saw a shady that had been run down by Chip Kelly. I mean, two three hundred yard uh, three hundred carry seasons. It wasn't the same shady that went to Philly that went to Buffalo that was playing in in uh, in Philadelphia. So, and he still believes what he saw there was a Hall of Fame player. So. Uh, yeah, I, I believe Shady belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's just that he may have to – he's going to have to wait longer than Goran Peterson. Dama, good stuff. And I guess you can call me the Hall of Fame Grinch because I don't think yeah, Frank okay. – I don't think Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer either. I think Peterson's the only one out of those three yeah. who actually deserves to get in, but that's why they don't invite me to vote. That's why they have guys like you vote because you're – You're a baseball guy. And this – that's see, the difference is the Football Hall of Fame is not the Baseball Hall of Fame. It is definitely uh, not. You know, there's a different criteria. You're a little bit more open to letting people in. I mean, every year there's the maximum five that get in. Um, you know, foot baseballs, you know, they're years when nobody gets in. So a yeah, little, little bit tougher on both. But uh, I yeah. like the differences between both the baseball and the football hall of fame. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what makes it fun. Yes. Dom, it's always fun to talk to you. We will get you back on about a month from now. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Have a good month, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Paul Domwich here with us on Birds 365. All right. Yeah, sorry. But I, I I just think Shady's close, but on the outside looking in. Same thing for Frank Gore. I actually usually uh, defend compilers, guys who put up big numbers by staying around. And I think there's something to be said for staying around. If you can continue to stay around and not get cut and still make and still make plays and still get yards, even if they're not mega important yards, usually that's pretty important. It's just something about Frank Gore that, eh. I, I know what he did, but he just never did it for a great thing. You think Gore's a Hall of Fame back, Jeff Kerr? Well, I look at it this way. I was watching baseball playoffs the other day, and Nelson Cruz is still rocking for Tampa. And I started thinking to myself, I'm going to look up his numbers. I'm like, is it Cruz a Hall of Famer? I don't know. And Frank Gore, I think he is just because the total. I look at Frank Gore this way. After 30, he is far and away the most productive running back in NFL history. And I think that's ultimately what's going to get him in. And who knows? Maybe he'll sign on with a team for the home stretch because he never seems <laughs> to go away. Game. He's always coming back. Maybe he's got one more comeback in him. All right. He's Jeff Carr. I'm Jody McDonald. We're running late. Come back. Put a bow on the show here on Birds 365.
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You know, Damo's going to be back. Uh, show flew right by. Thanks to you, Jeff Kerr. Outstanding job by you. Getting a lot of positive feedback on the stream today. You took Jalen Hurts' back. That's going to win over Eagle fans. Uh, Jeff Kerr, good job out of you. I'm just tell it like it is, Jody. You know, I, I get tired of – and look, I was getting tired of this yesterday too. Uh, you know, we want to bring this up. The Darius Slay – look, I'm a big Darius Slay fan too. But people getting on uh, our buddy Glenn Mack now for his comments later. So, Where's Glenn Mack now today? I'm like, calm down. Like, you know, Darius has been playing really well this season. I've been defending him. But do we really need to go after every media member that criticizes one player? Yeah, that's what Philadelphia does. I know. I've been the eye of the storm a couple times myself. Not often, but every once in a while. And you take your shots and you move on. And that's yeah. perfectly fine. But uh, good job out of you. One last thing before we go. Carson Wentz tonight. Does he play 100% of the snaps in the Colts game? We need it. Tell me it's the case, Jeff Kerr. Uh, yeah, he'll play 100% of the snaps, and um, I think the Colts will play the Ravens tough, but the Ravens are a better team. And from a fantasy football standpoint and a betting standpoint, I need the Ravens to win. I need Lamar Jackson to get me 23 points because I do not feel like being the only person in the league to score over 130 points. It, and lose this week because my buddy decided to put up okay. two hard and we got I score one seventy. So all right. So Jeff Carr has fantasy implications in tonight's game. Eagle fans have Carson implications. We both think he's going to play. Stay healthy. Stay in the field. Close game and lose, which will help the Eagles. We're 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 getting very specific in our desires tomorrow. We'll be back here in twenty two hours on Birds three sixty five to tell you whether we got it right or wrong. 
and continue to analyze the birds, both looking back at the win this weekend. Oh, no, we need to jump ahead because they're playing on Thursday night against Tampa. So we will begin to look ahead early tomorrow. Good job out of you, Jeff Kurt. Thanks for watching, everybody. Catch you tomorrow on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.